I'm Paul DeGarabedian, Senior Media Analyst for Comscore with my newly relaunched podcast, Many Screens, Big Picture, and I'm thrilled today to have as my guest, Donovan Russo. Donovan Russo is a screenwriter, a journalist who has written for CNBC and Yahoo Finance, and a first-time book author who has always loved the superhero genre. I know this for a fact. (laughs) He has written this novel not only as a love letter to the comic book industry, but as a way of providing more representation to the LGBTQ plus community, whom he feels has been neglected and without their fair share of badass vigilantes. Welcome, Donovan, to Many Screens Big Picture. Paul, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. (laughs) I love this. I, I really have never seen a description quite like this for your book. And so I, I first and foremost, I want to talk about your book, but then I want to talk about your, your journalism background, your journalistic career, uh, what the future holds for you, what, what you're working on now and in the future, all that great stuff. But let's talk about your book. Awesome. Tell us the title of your book and what it's about. Yeah, yeah, totally. So my book is called Stephen's War, and it is about an LGBTQ vigilante. I kind of like to think of it as like Daredevil meets Batman, kind of. It's like really kind of dark and gritty. And um, basically, you know, he's a former soldier. You know, it takes place in 2009 during the Don't Ask, Don't Tell era of the military, which basically said that you can be gay, but if you get caught, you could get thrown out. Right. So basically, in other words, you really couldn't be gay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it takes place during that time. You know, he falls in love with um, a fellow Marine. And the story kind of takes place from there. You know, it's you know dealing with the fact that he wants to embrace his individuality, but at the same time, be this true American patriot. And, you know, some things, without spoiling anything, you know, some things happen. He ends up getting sent home um, and he has to deal with some stuff. He, he lives in a kind of a low-income area. Um, and, you know, I try to, yeah, and he's just trying to, you know, he basically, the things that happen to him, he tries to make up with it through being a vigilante. I think that's the best way to put it. So your book, Stephen's War, I think is very interesting because I know you, you've, we've worked together on stories about the superhero genre Mm -hmm. and particularly the Marvel films and the DC universe. And you've done a lot of great stories for us, CNBC and Yahoo Finance. I think it's very interesting when journalists such as yourself who cover uh, the film community, the business of film and really specialize in the superhero genre, that then you would take that and turn it into your own original work, that your background in superhero uh, and fandom uh, uh, and your your appreciation for superheroes really comes into play here. So first and foremost with the book, you wanted to make Steven, uh, from the title Steven's yes, War, yes. an LGBTQ character. Right. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, look, I, I think there's two schools of thought on it, right? I, I think, you know, being that I'm in an MBA program, I, I think you have to take a business approach to really anything you do creative in order for it to really work. So I was looking at the market, looking at, okay, well, obviously, as I'm sure you would agree, you know, the superhero genre is very very oversaturated, right? There's a lot of stuff out there. Um, so one of the things I need to figure out is how do I create something that's different, you know? So I said, okay, well, I'm going to desaturate myself by providing more representation to the genre, right? Yeah. And I'm going to make my character part of this, you know, wonderful, beautiful community. Um, so they have, you know, they have a character who they can look to and kind of um, 
you know, uh, someone who they can see themselves in, right? At the same time, it's something that's kind of new in the market. Because obviously, you know, there are LGBTQ characters out there within this genre. But, uh, you know, at least from my opinion, uh, they're not really commercialized that much. You know, we don't really see them on the big screen yet. Um, we don't really see them all that much. I wanted to do my part to diversify the community and, you know, the genre. And then from a creative standpoint, you know, I, I think it added more characterization to my protagonist, right? You know, Stephen, you know, on the surface, yeah, he is this badass vigilante, whatever it is. But he's also this guy trying to accept his individuality, you know? Right. And I, I think, you know, his sexuality, you know, comes into play so much within this book because, he you know, he he's trying to balance who he is with what everybody wants him to be and what he feels he needs to be as well. So it's very – it makes him a very multidimensional uh, individual, I think, going this route. And also don't you think and uh, that by having a character like this, people who feel the same way can look at this character and see themselves in that character. Exactly. And say there are no boundaries as far as who can be a badass vigilante, right? So these misconceptions or preconceived notions are kind of deconstructed in a book like yours. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I was saying to somebody the other night, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily consider this book young adult lit because it, it is gritty. And, and you know, I, I think it's it's R-rated, but R-rated in a Deadpool sense. So that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, but I do think, you know, teenagers, you know, the 16 and 17 year olds who are kind of dealing with the same questions about who am I, who do I want to be and dealing with, you know, individuality versus, you know, societal stigmas. And I think Steven is a character that they can relate to. And I also think too, one of the reason, you know, this character is so important to the LGBT community is because again, it, it takes away all these stereotypes, right? That, you know, and I, I think it redefines what masculinity means. And I think it kind of washes away heteronormativity or the sense of it. Yeah. Well, that really makes sense. And in terms of creating a work that is entertaining right. and part of a genre that's very widely accepted and people love superheroes, but they also, and you mentioned Deadpool earlier, Deadpool's interesting because that's a very unconventional yeah. kind of superhero, right? Mm -hmm. So the notion of, and when that movie came out, it was R-rated, and the humor was beyond uh, what was the norm, in quotes, in superhero movies. So I think by pushing this into the realm of a character-driven novel rather than one that's heavy on plot, I yeah. think that really works for this yeah, and I, those are the types of stories I've always been drawn to. You know, and I think, you know, specifically you, you look at, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I know Deadpool's not a part of yet. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But, um, you know, what do you, you know, even, you know, what both of those things have going for them, Deadpool and the MCU, is the, the movies really are focused on the characters, right? You know, you look at the original Iron Man movie, you know, yeah, it's cool seeing him in the suit, but it's the Iron Man, it's the Tony Stark character who we're in love with because he's this billionaire guy who has everything in the world that he's just a shell of a man, you know? And yeah. That applies to Wade Wilson and, you know, and, uh, Deadpool, right? I mean, he's this guy with cancer. He wants to stay alive, alive long enough to, so he could be with the woman that he loves. He goes on this crazy journey where he sacrifices his body and it doesn't turn out in his favor and it's a revenge quest. But it's really a story about a guy learning to accept himself, which is the same thing as Stephen Cahill, who's the protagonist in my story. Well, you know, that's in most of the great movies of any genre, 
it really is that character part of it, right? Because without that, you could have an empty shell, right? If you have a lot of uh, special effects that aren't backed up with character, you really don't have any, whether it be a movie or a novel. Uh, and I think, but you also, I think, express a lot of dark humor. Yeah. In the book, you want to talk about that? Where does that come from? Your is that an irreverence on your part? Do you like to, or do you, are you drawn to stories that have that sort of dark humor that really push the envelope? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. So I think a lot of the humor, I, I you know, I, I thought a lot about Taika Waititi a lot when I was writing this. You know, because I, I, you think of his Thor movies, you even think of something like Jojo Rabbit, which is such a serious topic and an, such an important story that needs to be told, right? You know? Yes. Um, but at the same time, he does a very appropriate job of integrating these dark comedic moments, right? And I think I take a similar approach and I just think it makes the story, because look, you know, I, I'm certainly not this huge big time artist who can make something like Chris Nolan where it's just dark and it's, you know what I mean? Like the dark, I think we could agree yeah. the Dark Knight trilogy isn't really funny, but it's kick-ass, you know? Right, I, I would agree with yeah. that, absolutely. So for me, it was like, okay, well, how do I create something that A, is character-driven, has that dark and gritty feel, but it's still compelling. Like, how am I going to get consumers, to, you know, read something by this unknown artist for the most part? Yeah. And I think it's a comedic aspect of it makes the, the narrative that much more digestible, you know? And I, I think about stories, you know, books that I like to read because, and I, I think that, you know, when you have those humor in there and you don't take it yourself that serious, people want to read more. Like, yeah, this guy, he's cool, you know? And this story, it's funny. And he, I, I just think there's a nice balance of, you know, you know, intellectual sophistication and also like just these wacky humorous moments that kind of really complement the story as a whole. It's like in music where you have the verse and then the chorus, you need a, you know, the tension build and then that release. I think when people are watching a movie or reading a book that you need that, that, that humor comes along and humanizes everything. And you have those moments where you can chuckle about something or laugh about something that ordinarily uh, if not presented properly, mm -hmm. wouldn't be all that funny. Right. Just to remind everyone, I'm here with Donovan Russo, a screenwriter and journalist uh, who has written for CNBC and Yahoo Finance, and we're talking about his book, Stephen's War, which is an unconventional superhero story. And talk about the idea of the likable bad guy for a moment. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, you know, this goes back to the idea of creating a, a protagonist you can relate to. Is you know, I, I think stories are much more interesting when you can also relate to the bad guy as well, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you look at really any classic superhero story we all love. I mean, you, you look at even something like, you know, the Joker, right? Even the Dark Knight, as, as you know, as crazy as that character is and, you know, even even though we don't even have a, a true backstory for him, I, I, there's something compelling about where you're not that you're rooting for him, but you really enjoy his company. Yeah, if that makes sense. You know, well, you know, you mentioned the Joker as played by Heath Ledger. Right. He was on screen not that much, but you couldn't. All you thought about was him when he was gone. Yeah. And you know, from the screen, and then when he'd come back suddenly you were like super excited to see him again. And that's one of the coolest things about the likable or the interesting, uh, you know, bad guy in a piece, let's say. And often those are in the movie world, the supporting characters or supporting actors who are often the most interesting uh, in the piece. I think of Tommy Lee Jones in The, in the Fugitive, uh, even though Harrison Ford was at the center of the piece, it was Tommy Lee Jones that we kept 
wanting to see, right. in my opinion. Right, right. And even, you know, you look at even like the recent Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix, you know, it was oh, yeah. it was a totally different take on the character. But again, you know, there is, you know, you, you well, you may not agree with his actions. You understand where his pain is endured, you know? Right. And I think, you know, that's something what my main, my main villain, Frank Payne, is, you know, you, you don't agree with a lot of the things he does. Maybe you don't even agree with some of the actions Steven takes, you know, fighting people. But yeah. I think with both those characters, you're going to see similarities and you're going to see that they're not that different from each other. Um, and I think someone like Frank, so Frank, you know, obviously there's dark humor on Steven's point of view. But for Frank's point of view, that's really where I dial it up a bit. Um, I just think it adds... Uh, it's certain, you know, just keep, it keeps the story fresh, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think for the benefit of our listeners, can you, without giving too much away, can you give us an overview of what Stevens War is about, what the basic plot is? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, Stephen, you know, he, he's in Bagram, Afghanistan in 2009. Um, he meets this, you know, he falls in love with a fellow soldier. Um, some stuff happens. He ends up returning home. Um, you know, some other stuff happens. And then basically he um, goes on a quest to take down Frank Payne's um, gang, right? Because Frank Payne is this kind of this tycoon within Salem City. You know, he's kind of the guy who got out and got very rich and he's given back. And there's kind of this unspoken word that, yeah, Frank Payne, he may be this this um, this very wealthy businessman, but he's not necessarily a good guy. Right. And so, you know, Stephen knows that and Stephen's, tired of it. he's tired of the bs capitalism and everything and you know as this guy is preying on the on the weak he's preying on the youth and he's making them his lobbyists or his next customer and he's completely monopolized monopolized you know the construction industry within salem city and you know steven goes on a quest to take him down and you know frank ends up hiring this hit woman vanessa giardino um and you know they all kind of go after each other <laughs> that's really cool i mean i can't wait to read the whole thing. I mean, I, I've only seen bits and pieces, but I can't wait to read this book. It, it's a novel, of course. Would you like someday to see this uh, created for the big screen? Totally, totally. I mean, at some point, I think I'll write the screenplay for it. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, because, you know, it's funny. So before Stephen Zwar was working on this, this screenplay, um, where, you know, it actually, you know, it, it's done really well and it actually got me into one of the best film schools in the country. I don't I don't know if I'm going to pursue that, but it did get me into it. So it was one of those things where it hasn't really been out in the market too much in terms of like getting people to read it, mm-hmm. but like it has gotten good reception. So I'm kind of, I want to tinker with that a little bit and then really send that out to producers and try it in contests and try to get my name out a little bit. I mean, this seems very cinematic just from what you're telling me and the fact that there's a LGBTQ character represented in a way that you don't often see. That's a way to break down barriers, again, preconceived notions and all that. I mean, it doesn't surprise me, Donovan, knowing you, that you'd want to write a superhero type novel. What was it like writing during the pandemic? Did it uh, having, I I mean, I'm not saying you had more free time because we're still all working, but did it get your creative juices flowing because you're most of us are locked in spending more time at home and actually able to perhaps be more creative. A, would you have written this at all if not for the pandemic? Or was this something you're planning anyway and the p- pandemic brought it to the forefront that now I'm going to write this book? Right, right. So basically, 
there's a little story to that. So, you know, around December of last year, I was approached by this guy named Eric Coaster who won something. It's called like the Creators Program. And he's a professor in Georgetown. He's an entrepreneur. And basically his idea is that every college kid, every professional, they should have a book. Yeah. You know, it, it opens new doors. It's good for the resume. And basically for a small fee, I was given access to an entire team of, you know, of developers, copy editors, you know, it's really been wonderful. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And so basically it's, you know, there's a whole structure to it and it's basically you write a book in 11 months, um, which sounds kind of crazy, but it's, it was really good. I think, you know, I don't know if it's for everybody because I mean, there is, you know, you have to commit, it's a commitment, yeah. you know, but for someone like me, I'm pretty structured. I'm a structured person. So I knew, and also because as I said, you know, I've written a few screenplays. I had the, the one I was just talking about that I'm working on. Um, and it was one of those things where, A, I wanted to work on something new and I was kind of, it's funny cause you know, it was like a month before my mom even mentioned because, Oh, you know, you should try writing a book. You know, you've written for CBC, maybe you should try doing something like that. And I was, I was like, I don't know. But then this guy reached out to me and I was like, wow, that's really crazy timing. And, you know, I ended up you know, committing to it, taking the bet on myself and, um, yeah, it was just this wild journey and, you know, it's just been a lot of fun. And so going back to your question about the pandemic. So I was, I basically started this book, the outlining and everything back in January. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Pre-pandemic. Right. And then, yeah, I mean, so it was, you know, around, um, around March is when I started to actually write it. And I finished the first draft in June. Okay. And then from there, from there, it was just, you know, lots of rewriting and, you know, editing and, you know, now it's, now we're pretty much done with it. Now it's just getting layout ready and things of that nature, but it's been through a lot of drafts and it's the way I write. I'm very, very hard on the material. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's just a lot of relooking over what I wrote and kind of just making sure the language is all fits and the story is where it should be. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, writing during the pandemic, you know, it's certainly, was a nice distraction for sure. Sure. Well, I'm talking with uh, Donovan Russo, the author of Stephen's War, a new novel that he's written. And uh, I want to talk, I want to segue from from the book into just how we met right, right. via your writing uh, for various uh, outlets, financial um, outlets, press outlets like CNBC and Yahoo Finance. And I know that there's something about your writing that really grabbed people because I would notice that whenever you would publish these stories, I'd be blown away by how many people on Twitter right. were either commenting or are liking them. And some financial stories can be dry. Yours certainly were not. I think it's really because mostly you were writing about movies and superheroes, things that were really in your wheelhouse. How did you develop your journalistic career? What's your background? How did you get into that? And uh, I think it's interesting that you were able to segue or, or excuse me, dovetail your love of superheroes and movies uh, into your journalistic uh, endeavors. Yeah, yeah. So for me, you know, I, you know I, so I'm 23 years old, right? So back when I was around 1920, I was really looking for my first big internship. Okay. And, you know, I ended up catching the attention of someone who's a great mentor to be over at CNBC. Um, and I was able to get an internship with him. 
Um, and from there, there was, you know, they said, Hey, if anybody wants to try writing for the editorial team, you know, you could pitch to this other guy who turns out to be another great mentor of mine. And I thank them both in the book actually. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, yeah. And so basically I wrote my first story, which was on guardians of the galaxy and you know, the whole James Gunn controversy. And that did rather well for CNBC and from there, I was just really encouraged to keep thinking of different ideas. And, for, you know, for me, you know, I, I was, I was funny. I was actually just saying this to somebody this morning, but, you know, I never took one journalism class in my life. You know, I <laughs> literally figured it all out by just doing it, yeah. you know? Um, so, but I took kind of a marketing approach to the whole journalism thing at CNBC where it was like, okay, well, how do I innovate this brand while introducing this brand to new demographics of consumers. And I basically looked at, you know, the social media environment. I said, okay, well, you know, I like pop culture. So I'm going to look at these pop culture influencers who get these large gatherings. And I basically said, okay, I'm going to use the CNBC brand to get their attention. And I'm going to try to introduce our content to their audience by also having us introduce their content to our audience, if that makes sense. Love it. Yeah, I totally get that. And I saw that in your work because you would often um, hashtag or, or mention right. comic book influencers of who are really influential, not to belabor the point. Right. If you look at the number of followers and how one word from one of these experts in that, in that specific field could generate a lot of attention and a big conversation. Yeah, so that's really, I mean, that's how I approached it. Obviously, I, I stayed true to the whole integrity of the journalism system, mm -hmm. but I definitely, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I definitely took the approach of, okay, I need to look at this from a business perspective and how can I expand CNBC's audience? And I did a good job and I, I got, I did, you know, the numbers were, were rather well for what I was able to produce. And I was really proud of that. And um, yeah, that's really my approach. And that's how I was able to get some of these influencers. That's why in some of the the articles went rather viral on Twitter and things, because it was I was able to integrate both brands. I love the way that you did that. You really Thank looked you. at the marketplace and innovated and found a voice, not only for those folks who the mainstream may not know about. In other words, there's these uh, people in the in the comic book world who are so passionate and well-known within that world, but may not be known to mainstream readers. I think that was great how you did that. You introduced me to a lot of really cool people uh, via your stories who I wasn't that you know aware of because I'm not immersed exactly in that world. I'm more in the general movie world and all that. So my hat's off to you, literally, uh, for, for doing that and finding a way to make your mark and be unique at C for CNBC and Yahoo Finance. So that that's great. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Look, I mean, those stories, I got to give credit to you because you always provide us such great uh, perspective. And obviously, I mean, you really are just like you are the face of box office analysts. So it's it was an honor to have you in my stories as well, Paul. I mean, no, I, really, I, thank you. I appreciate that. So Donovan, uh, what's up next for you? with Stephen's War and then beyond. Yeah, yeah. So Stephen's War comes out December 7th. It'll be available on Amazon and uh, hopefully other places as well. But I do know for sure it'll be available on Amazon. Um, in terms of, you know, after that, you know, I definitely, you know, want to finish up some screenplays and write something new and hopefully write a new book soon as well. I have some ideas. Um, in terms of school, I, want, I finished my MBA in May. So I'll be looking 
to kind of, um, you know, advance to the next stage of my life professionally, you know, going from, you know, intern, because you know, I, I intern within like the entertainment industry now. So I'm looking to kind of transfer from being an intern to a full-time employee, hopefully. But I know it's kind of crazy with the pandemic right now. Well, so. you're 23, my friend. I, I remember those days. That was a long time ago for me. <laughs> but uh, I know you're going to, no matter what you do, you're going to be spectacular in all Thank that. You. And so I want to now jump to... Uh, some quick, like a lightning round that you really created. So thank you, Donovan. You're a great writer. So, oh. <laughs> so your favorite superhero? You know, maybe just because I'm just a complicated person, but that's that's a that's that's not an easy question for me, right? Because right. I think in terms of like the MCU, I'm going to say Captain America, but as Marvel as a whole, I'd say Spider Man. But I do need to throw you know Daredevil in that conversation. I need to throw some DC characters. Batman, I think, is just wonderfully complicated and i mean he, he that is you don't just, have a favorite they're all like <laughs> you can't pick one right i know how excited are you for that new batman movie that that looks awesome oh my with robert pattinson yeah oh yeah that, that trailer was amazing i thought that was really that trailer really was kick-ass i was like oh my god like just when you think it can't get any better or can't live up to right. some of the older films, particularly the Christopher Nolan films. Right. Uh, and of course, Joker, which is a different yeah. type of thing, but so amazing that, you know, the superhero genre, I remember when Iron Man first came out, and that was in the wake of the earlier, uh, and of course, X-Men had come out. That was the two th year, I think that was year 2000. Yeah. But if you go way back, the superhero genre was one that was sort of marginalized. Right. And you did have the Superman movies with Christopher Reeve and, and, and all those. But it, I remember when the first Iron Man movie, you had John Favreau directing and you had this great cast. And it's, it's analogous to me to the horror genre that used to be just for a quick buck and they didn't get respect from the – those movies didn't get respect from the critics and they would make money in their opening day but not opening weekend. And now that genre is elevated due to the quality and the, and the talent involved to a whole new level. I think superhero movies – have certainly done that. Totally, totally. And I mean, you know, I, I think what we all love about those movies too is, I mean, we really could see ourselves within them. You know, characters like Batman or Captain America, I mean, even Spider-Man, there's certain things that we see in those characters and they, they bring out the best in us, I think, in terms of our integrity and, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, going back to Stevens War, your book, you were mentioning that it's more of a character-driven right. piece. Right. It's yeah. not all about plot. It's about those characters. Because you can have all the plot in the world. If the characters aren't interesting, nobody's going to follow that plot line. Yeah. But they will follow interesting characters no matter where they go. I just feel like when you look at any sort of fictional content, plot kind of bores me when it's all about the plot. I, I really – I, I think – you know, and we've seen it obviously more and more where these movies are focusing on the characters, but character development is just so crucial to creating something that I think that, A, could be successful. And even from a commercial standpoint, you know, talk about the blockbuster. I mean, we've seen movies that are hits and flops, and we know the ones that don't do as well, it really is because there's a lack of character development, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, because the plot is a blueprint, right? Right, but exactly. We need to develop that into a, you know, into a building. Right. <laughs> For lack of a better, you know, there has to be meat on the bones. There has to be something there. Yeah. It really is the character because that, as human beings, that's who we relate to. That brings me to another question in this bonus round, so to speak. <laughs> Favorite comic book movie? And you have to name one. I don't want to hear, oh, I like this one. And I that know, one. I know. 
I want to pin you down on one if I can. Okay. Well, I'm going to say this. Endgame is my favorite comic book movie, but my favorite movie as a whole, and I don't even really consider this comic book, is The Dark Knight. Is, come on, oh, yeah. That's a fair response, right? I think so. I, I will let you get away with that. I think that <laughs> is really good. I think also, I think of, you know, Skyfall, I think of it as a movie that should have been nominated for Best Picture. I, I didn't think of it as just, oh, it's a James Bond movie. It's a spy movie. It was just a great freaking movie. It's so funny you say that because as we were just talking about character development, I was thinking about James Bond, right? I was thinking about how much I love the Daniel Craig movies. And honestly, my favorite scenes of those are the ones where it's just him reflecting on all the crap he does, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, that, very well done. I was actually, I just was watching um, Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace a few nights ago, so. Such great movies. Yeah. And it reminds me, you know, it's interesting because even the Western is similar in the sense of if you look at Unforgiven, uh, Clint Eastwood's character in that he's sort of like James Bond wind up like, you know, put up his spurs and or put down his guns and, and retire. And it's like, you can't, this right. is who you are. We're going to bring you back in. What's your favorite non-comic book movie? My favorite non-comic book movie? I know Dark Knight really, Yeah, I agree with you, doesn't fall into that, but. I know what you mean though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a good question. I feel like when I get asked questions like that, like there's like an overload in my brain. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I would say I really love The Departed by Scorsese. Oh, great movie. Um, I love, you know, I really love stories or it's kind of like those artsy stories, you know, I, you know, the re the marriage story by Noah Bombatch, I thought was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, Blue Jasmine by Woody Allen, I think is a really good, really good movie. Um, really anything by Scorsese, you know, Tarantino, I like Django and Pulp Fiction, all that stuff. and Classics. You know, Noah, Squid and the Whale by Noah Bombatch was a really yeah. good movie. Well, it's interesting, though, that that all makes sense because when you talk about your book and, yeah. and how you created it, I get the sense from the movies that you say you like, you're combining huge characters, you know, and character-driven uh, pieces, and then you have superhero movies, which are these big, often bombastic, special effects-driven movies. But when you combine the two, you get something really special. I, I I would really love to see Stevens War made into a movie, just based on what your point of view is uh, when you look at movies. So I can imagine it'd be a really cool movie. Yeah, thank you for saying that. You know, it's funny. I, I said to my brother once that, you know, my favorite part of the Avenger movies is just when they're sitting around having coffee, just talking, you know? Yeah. I, I just, yeah. all those different personalities clashing, you know, it's, it's, I think that kind of sums up the way I like to tell stories in a nutshell, you know, the things that I like to focus on. Well, look at Reservoir Dogs. I mean, you're a, you're right. a um, Tarantino fan. The, the opening scene where they're just sitting there at breakfast and the camera's moving around, you know, circling yeah. the, the characters. To me, that's maybe the best scene in the movie, although it's got a lot of, that movie has a lot of great scenes, but that's just those guys sitting around eating breakfast and talking about, you know, how much tip they should leave. And right, uh, exactly. just mundane stuff, yet it's so compelling and you can't, and that's the opening shot of the movie. Exactly, exactly. I, totally. I 100% agree. And Chris Nolan, I, I love a lot of his stuff too. Uh, Memento, um, Inception, all great stuff. Well, what's the, now we're going to wrap up here in, in about a minute. I just want to ask you, what's the movie, you know, we've had a lot of movies move into 2021, including No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie. What's the movie you're most looking forward to coming out in theaters 
uh, over the next year or so. I think for one, um, the new Spider-Man movie, I know that's probably what, 2022 now? I that, think that's, so, yeah. that's just so fascinating to me because, you know, I think I wrote a piece on um, on this for CNBC back before I was still over there about how the idea of the multiverse, right? Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, you know, you're reaching, you're reaching. And I was like, well, here we are now. Jamie Foxx is back and there's all these rumors about McGuire and Garfield. And I'm really, really fascinated to see what they do with that, and I'm also really excited for the Batman as well. And then I, Snyder Cut too. I, a lot of a lot of exciting stuff. I'm I'm looking forward to. There is a lot of really exciting stuff, and I just hope that you know once the pandemic resolves to a degree where movie theaters can open. Uh, right now, there's only fifty percent, around fifty percent of theaters open in North America, and of those there's limited capacity in each auditorium. So I know, I, I'm sure you're a big screen guy like I am just right now. It's It's been tough. And and studios are moving movies to 2021 to wait for the movie theater to come back. But hopefully, you know, we'll get some big movies in 2021. But for now, I think it's just um, writing and, and learning and, and being creative is really important. And I... Uh, it's just been a, a real pleasure talking with you. Donovan Russo, author, journalist, and hopefully someday a filmmaker <laughs> with a film on the big screen. Where can we find you on uh, all the socials, as they say? Yeah, totally, totally. So um, first of all, I have a website, DonovanRusso.com, if you want to learn more about me or if you're interested in receiving a free copy of the book, um, send me a message on there and hopefully I'll still have a few um, that I can send out. Um, Great. And yeah, then Donovan X Russo on Twitter and then Donovan Russo on LinkedIn. I think those are the best ways to follow me. Wonderful. Donovan Russo, Stevens War, his new novel. Paul, thank you so much. So great to have you on many screens. Big picture. I look forward to following your career uh, now and, and in the future. So thanks for being oh, here. Oh, Paul, thank you so much. I mean, you've been so kind to me during my young career this far. And it really is an honor and privilege to call you a friend now, not even a colleague, just a friend. You Absolutely. Know? We are friends. Yes. And uh, now that we've gotten a bond over this uh, podcast, hopefully in the future, we can go have a drink. Yes, I would love that. When everything settles down, maybe we'll go see No Time to Die together. <laughs> that's, I, I'm telling you, that's going to happen. We will make that happen. Let's thanks, Donovan. <laughs> thank Take you, Paul. Care. Thanks, everyone.